listening to The Adjacent Self, brought to you by the Conscious Leadership Academy at the University of San Diego. We're your hosts, Kendra and Libby, and we're going to help you explore how to step into the best version of you. Thanks for being here. Hey, Libby. Hi, Kendra. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for today. I know. I don't know why I'm laughing. I've been like giggly all morning. I don't know what that's about, but hopefully that, I don't know. Good for the episode, I think. That's good. Yeah. Great, great energy to bring into it this morning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, today we are super lucky because we've got Sonia Mohammed and Sebastian Sloven, and they are here. They have a company called Nature Unplugged, and they are both masters in leadership studies as well. So they have are coming out with a new book, um, which I will let them talk about. It's called Experience Nature Unplugged. Mm-hmm. And we are just super excited to have them here. Yeah. So hi, Sonia and Seb. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for having us. We're super excited to have you. Yeah. So like always, you know, kind of our new thing this year is to start with one word that we're sort of feeling for the day. Mm-hmm. So Kendra, I'm going to ask you to start first. Um, what is your one word that you're bringing? Well, you kind of called me out because you were like, you can't stop laughing. So I guess (laughs) my one word today is joy. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm feeling very joyful today. Don't know why, but that's always a good thing. So what about you? That is always a good thing. (laughs) Um, You know, I was thinking about it and I, I think my word for the day is really like peaceful. Like I just woke up this morning and had coffee and like just had time to kind of spend some time like getting myself ready for the day. And I just feel a lot of peace. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah. (laughs) What about you guys, Sonia and Seb? Do you guys have a word that you wanted to share with us? (laughs) I think I I feel light. Light would be my word. And I think that has a lot to do with tying up all the loose ends of the book with the launch right around the corner. It's like exciting, but a lot of work. So it's sort of heavy. So I feel lighter. Good. Yeah, I'll do uh, grateful, you know, I feel I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk about this and to connect with you both. And yeah, grateful to be here. Awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Gratitude's always great. <laughs> yes, we love gratitude. Awesome. So uh, let's go ahead and just jump right in with our first question. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got your start and the work you're doing and the origins of Nature Unplugged? Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go way back to my um, upbringing. And so I was super fortunate to grow up in San Diego uh, on the coast in La Jolla and had a lot of really wonderful nature experiences at the beach from a really young age. My uh, parents were avid swimmers, my dad in particular. And um, that was like a lot of my early memories are like was swimming in the beach, playing in, you know, playing in the ocean and all that. And when I was pretty young, um, unfortunately, my dad passed away. He uh, he took his own life, which was a you know major, obviously a huge game changer for me and my family. And I, I think you know for me, when whenever I got it felt like really sad or lonely or out of control, if I could just get back, for me it was getting back to the beach. If I could get back to the beach, I felt like I was at at home there, and that was like kind of this, this place of refuge for me, which 
probably saved my life, you know, as I'd moved through my teens and stuff. And it was this like one real constant thing. My family life was a little chaotic. And so it was this, this core thing to come back to. And, and I, I knew as I got older that I wanted to do some sort of work eventually one day with, it's something to do with nature. I don't know. I didn't know exactly what that looked like, but mm-hmm. it sort of evolved into kind of the early aspects of nature unplugged were taking people on guided nature experiences around San Diego. And I really like this sort of idea of combining mindfulness work with, with nature time and of course getting on, getting off devices and, and unplugged. So that was sort of how it started out. And I started to see really quickly with, with clients, especially with kids, but there was this huge pull to devices and screens. Like we'd be outside on a beautiful hike or whatever. And the kids would be talking about gaming or whatever. And, and the parents would be complaining about gaming or, whatever screen thing they were into. And I, I kind of, we started to see like, this needs to be addressed as well. And that's kind of around the time that Sonia and I connected and Sonia has a you know, background in education. And we, we really decided to not just do this getting people into nature thing, but really wanted to look at both uh, the benefits of nature and also how to address technology, how to, how to live in the world of technology and be intentional. And so that's kind of the, the origin of the program, being, being really holistic about wellness in the digital age. I love that. Mm-hmm. Sonia, did you have anything that you wanted to add as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, well, a big piece of it for Sebastian and I was when we were in the Master of Arts Leadership Studies program at USD, you know, obviously we grew a lot through that program. It sort of demands that of you. But we also learned a lot and were able to focus on how to bring Nature Unplugged to life. And for us, it had a lot to do with like building the curriculum for Nature Unplugged. So it's fun for us because we continue to feel really connected to USD because so much of the curriculum we've learned in that program is alive in the curriculum we've created in mm-hmm. Nature Unplugged. Um, like, for example, we we talk about the challenges around technology as being an adaptive challenge. You know, it's not a technical problem. Um, there are some technical solutions that work, but we all sort of have to learn together and grow together and figure it out together. Mm-hmm. There's no solution to it so stuff like that is still very alive and it helps us talk about it especially the parents but people who maybe don't see it as as big of a challenge as it is I love that you said that this morning while I was preparing for the episode I was just thinking about what we had talked about the other day with just how when I was in the program a lot of what I did was camp like kept my camping gear in my car all the time and anytime that I had a chance to like get to Idlewild we were gone. You know, I would get out of class and go pick up my boyfriend and we would just take off and, and try to set up the tent, you know, can we get there before dark? So we're not like setting up the tent with headlamps, which we did often. (laughs) And I was thinking about how, like, even on my worst day camping, because we had some like pretty hairy experiences where like, we thought we were going to get murdered one night or we got stranded in the desert. The only time we tried camping in the desert our car got stuck in the sand and we were stuck out there. And like, I was like, I'm going to (laughs) die. But even though like these kind of scary things happened, I was able to overcome that and grow and learn and build confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. And to the point where it was like, even on my worst day out in nature, I still learned something and I developed something in myself and I realized, Hey, this is tricky, but I can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Nature can be, nature can certainly be scary. But it's a great teacher, right? Like you're saying, you learn yeah. every time outside. Yeah. So you guys have a book coming out, which we uh, touched on a little bit. It's called Experience Nature Unplugged. 
and it is so great. I was reading it over the weekend. So tell us a little bit about your book and then let us know when we can get our hands on it. Yes, it's super exciting. Yeah. Um, I still can't believe we wrote a book. <laughs> but yeah, in essence, it's it's this idea that finding balance and creating boundaries with technology and the devices in our lives is becoming almost a life skill, like an essential life skill that we all need to develop. And so mm-hmm. the subtitle for the book is like a guide to wellness in the digital age. So there is this element of how to, like how to manage all of this and live well today. And we developed a five, like a five-step method. We call it the experience nature unplugged or Enu method. And it begins with this idea of reframing, like how to change the way we think about technology and digital media and how it, you know, plays into our lives. And that part is a bit about like understanding what's actually going on behind the scenes, like in the software, the platforms, et cetera, like all those things that make our devices really addicting. Then we move into reset, which is about resetting our relationship with technology and nature. And uh, we do talk a lot about boundaries, which also often reminds me of our time at USD, but how to um, set boundaries with technology and bring more nature into your life. So it's like a big reset button. And then we move into reconnecting. And this is really about how to reconnect with ourselves, like our bodies and Mm -hmm. each other. And we really work on tangible ways here and tools to do that, both to connect to our bodies, get more movement, and then how to build community. And then finally, rewire. Um, oh, not finally. Fourthly, rewire, <laughs> um, which is sort of the deeper work, like the internal work, right? Because we talked about this not just being a technical problem. There's a lot of reflection, values work, et cetera, that has to be done to sort of navigate the world today. And then finally, the recharge, how to harness play and creativity and really fill up your cup, like really have fun with life and engage. And that is really the framework for the book. And the book launches on March 1st, which is just around the corner. So we're very excited about that. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. And it'll be available on Amazon and on bookstores. Um, and so again, the full title is Experience Nature Unplugged, a guide to wellness in the digital age. Yeah, we'll send you a we'll send a little link once once it's up and running. We'll mm-hmm. we'll follow up for sure. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll share that. Yeah, that yeah, all of those steps that you just ran through are things I feel, especially like now with COVID. Like I I really need because my phone has been telling me your screen usage has been up percent <laughs> um, either being on my phone or you know doing working online and being in front of my laptop. And it's hard because in California, there's not a lot of places to go, but outside. But for me, I haven't taken advantage of that as much as I probably could have. So I'm very excited to dive into your book and start resetting and rewiring my relationship with technology. Because for me, right now, it's gotten a little more unhealthy than it should be, but nothing that can't be fixed. I think it's all, yeah, everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. We almost envision this five-step method, but it's not really steps, right? It's this like evolving circle because things change all the time, like pandemics happen. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, technology and your life relate in totally different ways than they did the day before. So, All right. So in an ever-growing society, we all use technology to improve our quality of life. What are some dangers about the overuse of technology? And then what are some benefits of striking a balance within technology and nature. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a super super good question. I think I want to start this. We may have said this already, but we're not anti-tech, so we're not. You know, our whole thing isn't about just totally abandoning social media or technology or 
you know, move into a yurt on the mountain, you know, in the mountains with no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Unless that's something you're into, you know, I'm not opposed to that either. But it is, it is really interesting to look at the negative impacts of, you know, overuse of technology. And I think, you know, Sonia spoke to this in our method, but some of the biggest things, there's all sorts of things, but some of the biggest issues come from like two things in particular. That's social isolation. And, you know, a lot of times people are gaming or or whatever they're doing alone. Uh, And I know in a pandemic, it's also provides a lot of connection and and communication. But in general, people are more isolated than ever before because Mm -hmm. partially because of devices. And the other one is just an increasingly sedentary lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting a lot more and we're by ourselves a lot more in those two things. And there's other factors here, but, you know, we're seeing particularly with youth, but also across the board, but things like higher instances of attention disorders, you know, cognitive issues, all sorts of things on the mental health side, like increased anxiety and depression, and unfortunately, you know, suicide in the most extreme cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then from a physical standpoint, there's obesity, hypertension, a lot of stuff that comes with being more sedentary, including mm-hmm. the posture stuff, you know, we're like just hunched over. I, it's, it's funny. My, a lot of my work prior to nature unplugged was in, in, uh, in personal training and yoga and that kind of stuff. And I, I worked for a little while at this posture therapy place. And it's interesting that like kids today are presenting with like the posture that they used this, this place used to only see like people in their forties and fifties uh, oh like, because of gaming people, you know, like the rounded shoulders and the you know, like turtleneck <laughs> thing. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's pretty wild how, how much it impacts our uh, posture as well. Yeah. yeah. I notice it too. I mean, wow. even like with this with a desk heavy job, it's like you get very, you know, hunched yeah. up. curled mm-hmm. up into your little yeah. your little zone. Yeah. 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 I can totally relate to that. I feel like my my neck hurts mm-hmm. like all the time. And in the last couple of years I started learning how to play video games. I never played before when I was a kid. And I will notice that if I play for like a day or you know, like a few hours with my boyfriend, then my arm starts to hurt like I'll have elbow pain and mm-hmm. wrist pain and I'm like this is not good like I can't <laughs> imagine if you played all the time like some serious right. gamers oh my gosh your body has to hurt right mm-hmm. right this, this whole situation too with gaming where you get physiologically really fired up chart like yeah. you're whether you're playing a fighting game or a racing game or whatever they're usually like people are getting amped but there's no physical release like so normally mm-hmm. if you were to fight someone or or run away from someone or do stuff that you, you know, like there'd be a physical, physiological release with that. That's not mm-hmm. happening. So you get no. super jet, like super excited, <laughs> but then there's no physical release. And then you try and go to bed and then there's issues sleeping and mm. a lot of gamers. Okay. Also <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so glad you said that because my the whole experience of gaming has been, I go to bed at night and then I lucid dream about the dream or about the game the whole night long. <laughs> and I'm like partially awake, partially asleep. Yeah, yeah playing the game in my head and I am miserable. And I told my boyfriend, I'm like, what is this? And he's like, oh, that, I don't know. This never happened to me. You're weird. And I thought I was just an oddball, you know, but now you've explained like, okay, it's because I didn't have, I had this like mental stimulant, but I didn't have the physical release of like burning off that adrenaline. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think the sleep, the impact of sleep is I think a major, major piece of this. And I'll, yeah. I'll so you sh- share about this more, but I, I just will share that too, that the nature piece, that's why we're so into nature. It's like the, the natural 
antidote to a lot of the issues that come up from screen time and in gaming and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it was really exciting when we started doing the research around the benefits of nature. I mean, we knew it, and most people know it anecdotally. They're like, "Yeah, I feel better when I spend time out in nature." Mm-hmm. But we started doing this research, and it was almost like line for line, like you know, this negative thing happens when you use technology or screens too much. And then it's like, if you go outside, it directly mitigates it or minimizes it. Wow. And it was really cool. So like all the things that Sebastian listed as negative impacts or effects from screen time overuse are directly mitigated. Like when you spend time in nature, it's like boom, 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 you know, out the window, it's balanced. And the other thing that we found that was super interesting as we were researching nature was the emergence of like nature doses. So they've started doing research around how much time in nature do you actually need to spend to start mm-hmm. feeling these benefits? Because I know that was something for me. It's like, yeah, it's great. I, you know, <laughs> go spend time outside is like not bad advice, but it's like, well, how much time do you really need to spend to make it meaningful? It's really cool because it's just like five minutes. You can spend five minutes and you'll start to see boosts in your mood, like positive emotions, happiness, self-esteem. 15 minutes, you start to see decreases in your cortisol levels by like 17% pretty significant for 15 oh minutes. So if you're yeah. Just step outside for 15 minutes. Um, and this can be just, you know, outside your front door or, you know, walking around your building or whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be going to a park. And then when you start getting a little higher, it starts becoming even more impressive. Like, like 90 to 120 minutes, you start seeing like significant and meaningful decreases in depressive symptoms and anxiety mm-hmm. and stress as well. Um, and then three days is what we call sort of like the nature jackpot. Um, you see, I think it's a, it's maybe just above a 50% increase in cognitive functioning and creative problem solving. Um, so oh. uh, you hear some of these stories, right, of the CEOs who go, you know, camping for the weekend and they come back and they have this like brand new million, multi-million, billion dollar idea. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, an opportunity for your brain to relax and reset and restore and, um, out but I, I mean Libby maybe you've experienced this when you go camping if you ever do like yeah. a weekend there is something really different when you come yeah. back in the- and always that second night like the first night I think when I get out camping I'm a little nervous because I'm just a scaredy cat so I'm like who's coming to kill me like <laughs> where's my knife you know <laughs> but by the second or third night I'm sleeping so much better you know I'm going to bed right around sunset. Usually I try to like, I don't stay up super late and then I'm waking up much earlier because I'm going to bed earlier and I'm just way more rested and just feeling, I don't know, like back to myself. And then I can get back to like, I've just shaken off some of that stress. And I love hearing that there's research behind it because Mm -hmm. for me, I have high levels of stress and anxiety. And I've been explaining on on like the last few episodes of the podcast that I think I've got ADHD, like I'm, I'm like self-diagnosing, but (laughs) it's just kind of what I'm learning. I'm like, Oh, maybe I've got some ADHD. And I think that knowing that I can combat some of that stuff with like getting outside more is huge for me. Cause I don't really want to have to take medication. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to try to find ways to overcome these mental problems that I have without adding more side effects to it. So I'm like excited. You're like, yeah, you know, just go out there for 15 minutes and your cortisol will drop. I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going out today. Like <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah definitely. Just highlight too, that it's when you spoke to this a little bit, but that it doesn't have to be, I know not everyone has access to 
or the opportunity to do like three days in nature or go on a camping trip or go somewhere far away. It doesn't, it can be just in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't need to be like in a pristine untouched rainforest to get the benefits of, I mean, just looking at the clouds or hanging out near a tree or going to a little urban, you know, urban park can be, you still see the benefits. That's good for me because I'm like, you know, I'll camp if my friends are like, we're going to go camping. I'm like, all right, but I'm not going to be the first person to plan it. But I do love taking my dog out for walks like around the parks near our house, or there's a couple of parks up in the city by me that I'll take them out to. And good to know not about the camping. Like I could still get the benefits because <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go out in the wilderness. But, you know, some things work for some people. Some people, things work for others. But okay, yeah. yeah. And we, you know, you can even do, you know, like a turn off your Wi-Fi, like a, like a digital detox weekend or something, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. like, and have those benefits without needing to go camping. Yeah, sure. I love that. I might have to try that out. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit too, in your book, you talked about creativity And one thing that I've noticed is in the last probably 10 years of my life, I've been with, you know, getting a smartphone and having access to Instagram and these kind of things. I'm not creating as much as I used to. I used to paint. I used to do poetry. I used to do all kinds of stuff. And now it's nothing, (laughs) really nothing. Maybe I write every now and then, but really nothing is creative, like coming out of me. Um, And I feel like now there's like this compulsion to constantly create in air quotes, new content for social media. And actually a couple of days ago, while I was prepping for this episode, I read on Instagram, a really cool post about the difference between art and content and how people are really blurring that line and thinking that there's like a lot of pressure for artists to post new content, especially during the pandemic and get that out, but that it's not really creating art. We're not experiencing each other in that way. We're just sort of filling that boredom hole. And I've noticed that like even music or movies, like a lot of those are not about telling your story or telling your history. It used to be you'd sit down around the campfire and you'd sing these like folk tales and you'd tell your story. And it was all about kind of sharing that history with future generations. And now we're not really making meaning out of our stories in that way. We're just like, how much content can I shove at somebody so I stay relevant and, Mm -hmm. you know, and stay in somebody's face. So my question for you guys is how can we recognize when we're consuming content rather than experiencing each other? And then how can we intentionally use our voices online to make meaning of our stories? Well, I think like an interesting place to start with that is like taking a second to think about when the last time was that any of us were actually bored. (laughs) Um, Probably the role, right, that social media and technology play in that and sort of feel like like what you call the boredom hole. It's like you never actually get bored because you are checking your phone every five seconds, you know, Yeah, included, you know, it's something we all deal with. So I think there's a piece of you, you sort of know you're consuming or scrolling mindlessly when you are, you know, filling the boredom hole when you're not like intentionally searching for something um, that brings meaning or joy to you. And so there's the, the con- like the consuming part of what am I doing? Like, what am I taking in? And mm-hmm. then there's the production part, right? Like, what am I creating? And it is an interesting tension because there, there is an element of creation is creation in a very simple, you know, way of looking at it. If you're creating something, it's like you're, you're engaging in a creative process 
But certainly the motivation behind it and the intention behind it matters. Um, And I think we feel that sometimes with work versus like a fun hobby. It's like I'm producing something because somebody told me to or I'm expected to versus I'm producing something because it brings me joy to paint this picture. I'm not going to sell it. I'm probably even going to post it on Instagram. And so I think that's sort of the difference. Or when we talk about creativity, we're trying to get people in touch with what's the way you can express yourself creatively, whether it's through poetry, word, you know, fine art, drawing, painting, et cetera. Because it brings you, you know, to life in a different way and it fires your brain differently, et cetera. And it's, it can be meditative, like all those things. But really sort of the checking in with yourself of why am I creating this? You know, maybe it's not for work and you're filling time. Is it because I really want to? Is, am I, is it bringing me joy? Or am I, you know, fishing for likes on social media or something? And, you know, maybe hitting the pause button if you notice that's your primary motivator. You know, what do you want to add to that with the creativity? It is a tricky one, right? Because I think there's this element to, if you have a business, to being on social media and to posting and there's algorithms algorithms involved that are, they don't really care about art. You know, they're just like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like what you know, hashtags do you use and all, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So I think, yeah, it's just, it, there's a tension between like playing the game and doing it in a way that, that I think is, feels right to you. I think one thing I was thinking about when this came up, when this question came up was, uh, I think utilizing, going back to nature and utilizing, like creating a process or space for, for creativity. And I think for me, that was always a big, a big thing with nature. It was like this, right? Like Libby spoke about this. It's like kind of like you kind of reset and you're, you can, you have new ideas and things like that. And so I, I think if that's part of your, your work or your, your deal to like to post regularly, maybe there's like a, a time in nature or a time unplugged that is set aside just for kind of open space, creativity time versus kind of neurotic place of like, Oh, I got to post because so-and-so posted and they're my competition or so, or like, I got to get a certain amount of likes or I got to stay on this cadence of posting. Mm. Um, yeah. Having, yeah, having like some sort of you know, more yeah, space and richness and nature time with that would be good. I like that idea of planning out time to l- allow yourself that space for creativity to happen. Because I think if we're waiting for inspiration to strike, but we're constantly distracted by what's coming in our Instagram feed or what's on Facebook, then we're not giving our brains that chance to clear out the clutter mm-hmm. and allow the creativity to come. And so saying, on Saturday, I'm going to block out, you know, a few hours of time to get away from the tech and get away from the social media and just see if I can give myself some, maybe do some meditation or, you know, give myself some space to allow my creative juices to start coming up. And mm-hmm. I think one thing they always say about writers is just sit down and write like mm-hmm. 10 pages a day or write something like, even if it's just, I don't know what I'm going to write about, but it gives <laughs> your body that chance to process and think. And kind of clear that out. And I, I love that you said that sub because it's like, yeah, let's plan a little bit of time and not just like fit it in wherever we feel the, you know, the inspiration strike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can feel um, sort of uncomfortable too when you do it. Like we started um, creating what we call digital curfews for our technology. So like putting everything, turning off the TV, putting our phones away at a certain time, which is like usually 8 p.m. But then, you know, we don't usually go to bed until... 10 or so and then when we first started doing it we were like okay well what now you know like, yeah. now entertain <laughs> and, me yeah yeah it's really fine <laughs> that 
to fill it that's like analog that's not digital and yeah like the conversations become richer it was it was incredible once we got over the the discomfort of like not knowing what to do or not immediately filling it with checking my phone for something Mm -hmm. yeah I love that yeah you saying that about the conversations getting richer pre-pandemic which feels like ages ago but pre-pandemic when me and my friends would go out to eat, I started really picking up on like, we would all come together, make plans, and then sit at the table on our phones mm-hmm. for like half the meal. And so I got to the point one day where I got a little more fed up than I probably should have. And I was like, if this is going to be what this is, I don't want to come out and spend money. Like I'm here to see y'all. They agreed basically that, you know, we had been all using our phones. I was guilty of it too. And so we decided when we did plan meals together, we would put our phones in the middle of the table. Sometimes we'd ask for a plate or like a bread ball or something, hide them underneath. And we kind of made it a game because it was difficult at first. Cause, and we would say, whoever picks up your phone first pays for the whole meal. <laughs> and then eventually like that incentive just went away and we really were able to start connecting and having those deep conversations about what was happening in each other's lives. And, and now with everything, it's harder because you're, converse, you're having conversations over media. So mm-hmm. it's trying, like, I've been trying to find the balance of getting that back. So I might invite a friend to like sit in the park and we'll distance our blankets apart and just take that time. But it is, it is so much more beneficial when you put the tech aside, especially in community and it helps to deepen those relationships together. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's great. That's I love story. those days when you're like at brunch with your friend and next thing you know, it's been four hours. Yeah. And you're like, holy crap, I, we haven't looked at our phones this whole time. We've just been talking to each other for the last four hours. Like what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, those are my favorite. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. Yeah, same. So since you are developing your business, you're launching this book. How are you striking the balance between promoting your business and having a business that's centered around not being on technology? Gosh, it's a question we ask ourselves a lot, actually, which is really aligned with, you know, the work we do. It's constantly checking in with yourself to see how you're using technology and making sure it's serving you um, in the ways you want it to and not controlling you. Mm. But you know, we've gone back and forth like a hundred million times on whether we should have social media accounts or not. And I think in the end, we sort of landed in, yes, it's important to meet people where they're at. So that feels really good. Like, let's go to where people are. And then, you know, at the same time, do our best not to contribute to the problem we're trying to address. So how can we use social media authentically, appropriately, and in ways that align with our vision and values? And and it's a moving target, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think it would be for any business in any sort of tool or marketing tool you might use. But gosh, that question has been sitting with us since the beginning of time, right? It's in, and people, you know, make fun of us. And in, in, I think in like a kind way of like, Oh, you have a website. Oh, you have a social media account. It's like, well, yeah, you know, we are a business. We have those mm-hmm. things, but really trying to be thoughtful about how we use it. And, and mm-hmm. that really being, I think, parallel to the work we do of, again, not anti-technology, but how can you use it in a way that feels right to you and the larger community? Yeah. And I think also it's a good platform for sharing Mm -hmm. tips and tools and like a little 
videos on like how to create a home for your phone, you know, a place for your phone sort of lives when you come in the house, so you're not carrying it around with you all the time. Like things like that, I think it's really helpful for those just educational tips, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, we don't want to be, into, obviously the core of our work is in-person work, but, um, you know, there's a place for, place for social media, certainly, and yeah. technology. And I think yeah. we ask, like, um, a lot of times in our workshops and stuff that we do with clients, we ask, like, what are the great things about technology? Because there are some really great things. And often what comes up is sort of access to information and resources, right? And so a lot of the work we do is around raising awareness and giving people tools that they can use in their lives to create change. So, you know, especially when we're using technology and social media platforms for that, it feels great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I like the like kind of the technical solution too is we talk a lot about people who are on Instagram all the time, right? They're constantly posting. They're constantly thinking about their next post. But then there's also a lot of different websites that you can use. There's like a couple different platforms to preload that kind of stuff. And so maybe you spend four hours a month getting all of your content ready for the whole month and then you don't have to touch it again. And so technology in a way has also given us a way to kind of minimize our uses of technology too. I don't know. It's like a both and situation. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah I think it's a great point because I think what we get into in the book a lot is really, and at the core of the kind of the beginning of our work is educating people on, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. Like what is the attention economy? And, you know, in short, it's that everything you're looking at on social media basically is drawn to like pull you in mm-hmm. and, you know, in a lot of games and it's not just social media platforms, but yeah. But so applications or ways that you can create boundaries to like create content away from social media and like preload it and schedule it to go out is mm-hmm. huge because, you know, I mean, all, we all know the times of I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go post on whatever Instagram and then all of a sudden it's been like two hours and you're like, <laughs> yeah. what am I doing here? And uh, <laughs> you got a new couch all of a sudden, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You're shopping on Amazon. Who knows? Yeah. But it's, uh, you may have experienced this before. But it's like it's being really at the core of it. It's like being really intentional with mm-hmm. you're using technology. So you're in charge of the tech for your purposes versus that versus it being in charge of, of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to do because everyone on the back end is super smart and they're trying to to pull you in. I love that. So mm-hmm. shifting a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about values. So I think on this podcast, it's a running theme. (laughs) As we've learned through leadership studies, you know, your values really inform how you lead and how you present yourself to the world. Mm -hmm. So my question for you guys, I know you guys talk a lot about values as well. How can we stay in touch with our values, especially in that social media vortex or, you know, with using technology and constantly having this sort of pressure to perform? What are your recommendations for kind of getting, tapping back into your value system? Yeah, great question. It's something we're really excited about, this, this type of work. Mm-hmm. And again, so we have like the more the technical stuff, which is more like you're getting the technology out of your bedroom or creating a home for your phone or a digital curfew or getting your nature time. And then I think beneath that is this, I think the value stuff falls into the deeper work and which is, it really needs, they both need to happen. I think step one is like you're doing some some values work individually to get in touch with what your values are if you haven't done that that type of work yet. And that's really core because as we were just talking about with the attention economy, when we're on social media or, you know, we're at the whim of the people, the coders and the algorithm behind it. And they are in the, those cases dictating what our values should be mm-hmm. and whether that's 
having a six pack or like based on your, your particular feed. And so if you're not, if we're not careful, I mean, this happens to all of us, if we're not really in touch with family or uh, like play being a part of your value, like go in knowing your values. So you can, you can have your time online really serve that purpose versus getting, getting again, pulled into these sort of the values that really, they don't care. Like they don't, you know, the people making the stuff, like, they don't care what our values are. You know, they, mm. they, our values to be their values or whatever their company's advertising to us are. And so, yeah, I think just getting like step one, get in touch with your values and be mindful of that going in. Yeah. And then revisiting that, you know, mm. often, right. Because a lot of times we'll, you know, whether it's through a program or a workshop or a friend says like, Hey, let's do a values exercise. You do it. And then like a year passes and you're like, no clue what your values were. <laughs> you had to write five down again. You'd be like making it up on the spot. Mm-hmm. So just making it a practice too, of checking in with your values. And then, you know, even beyond that, the deeper part is, you know, you say those are your values. Are you living them out? You mm-hmm. know, how real are you in your day-to-day life? Family is super valuable to me, but I don't, you know, I haven't talked to a family member this whole week. And often, you know, it's because we've filled that boredom hole with, I don't know, news, email, TV show. And because we weren't in touch with it, it sort of slipped to the side. And so it's understanding what your values are and then, you know, checking in with how much are you living those out or what's getting in the way and maybe reassessing like, oh, I guess that's not actually a value of mine. So making that a continuous practice is, you know, incredible if you can make the, the space and time for it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something you said, Sebastian, about, well, it reminded me of my uh, feed on Instagram and a while back I was working with a therapist and we were talking about like, what is the depression I was feeling after being on my phone? I would walk away and like, you know, comparison sucks. And that was an easy thing. It's easy to do on social media. And she asked me, well, how are the things that you're seeing aligning with the things that are important to you or aligning with how you want to live your life? And I feel like social media is very tricky because Instagram will say on the, I think, Explore page, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm horrible at remembering names of things, but on that page that like, hey, these are all the things like you're valuing because you clicked one ad or you liked one photo from a celebrity will fill you up with this. And it's very easy to lose the mindfulness of this is not what I want to see. This is not what I want to get caught up in. It's dragging me away from my actual values and then trying to force me, feed me whatever social media wants my values to be because they want me to buy the thing or like the thing or listen or read the thing. So yeah, that's just a great reminder to just really pay attention to, you know, what's in front of you um, mm-hmm. or stuff that, you know, was isn't relevant anymore. It's not help, helping my development or my growth. And now like if I'm on my phone, the stuff that's popping up for me is really stuff that does start aligning. And then I'm able to start noticing, oh, this person or this organization is posting stuff that no longer sits or vibes with me. Yeah. Quick, un- quick unfollow. That's yeah. the one thing that like I've noticed is that as soon as I got intentional about what I want to see, the things that didn't align with that, I was instantly like not interested. Mm-hmm. Unfollow, like even on reels, like I'll be scrolling through reels. I love, I just get sucked right in. And so, like, I'll be scrolling through and I'll see something that's really against something that 
maybe in the past I would have been like, Chris, it's so cool. And now I'm like, no, I don't like that. And so I will go and I'll click on the little three dots and I'll be like, not interested. Don't show me anything like this ever again. (laughs) And as soon as you start to realize that, it's so easy Mm to feel it and be like, oh no, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. But before I probably would have just been like, keep scrolling, no problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's, it's really great. And I think there's so many little nuances to this. But one thing I was thinking about too, Kendra, as you were talking, is that thinking about the times that most of us kind of unconsciously go to scrolling Instagram or whatever social media thing. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the times when we're like super aware and mm-hmm. you know, present, you know, it's, it's yeah. like angry, tired, frustrated, disappointed about something. It's a distraction. A lot of times those, those mental states are like filling those feeds, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So really being, being on it when you're being clear, being intentional, mindful yeah. scrolling. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea of boundaries. So in your book, you discuss the choice of engaged living. This really resonates with us because we talk about choosing to step into your adjacent self and how your decisions can shape your life. Can you tell us more about what engaged living looks like and how we can make the choice to live lives that are more engaged? Yeah, Um, we love engaged living too. It's the goal, right? It's the end goal, or it's what sort of the whole front part of the book leads to in the end. And it's this idea that a lot of us sort of get stuck maybe in the day to day of just going through the motions, being on autopilot, or, or in some cases, maybe just surviving the day. Like we've all felt that like, oh, I just can't wait till I get home today or, you know, till tomorrow when I wake up. You know, we're not really fully in the moment, fully present. And the first piece of it is really choosing to be present for the day, whatever it brings, and being fully engaged in the moment with what's going on around you. So it's a little bit less about like what we're doing, what the actual task or thing is that we're doing, and it's how we're doing it, how we're showing up. Um, and really, if you're doing that, that's 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 it. That's engaged living. But it is practice, and it's not necessarily easy, as I think all of us know. Um, it's like a muscle that we build, you know, presence, mindfulness, etc. Like choosing to be here um, and accept what's going on, and then you know, move forward with it. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's a little abstract. I don't know if there's more you want to add to that. But engaged living is really beautiful uh, when you get to that space. And I'll admit that it's not, you know, it's not something I do every minute of every day for sure. Um, it's mm-hmm. a very much a practice for mm-hmm. us too. Yeah, like work definitely a work in progress. I think, you know, I wrote about this a little bit in the book, but we came across this, this sort of strange story, anecdote, but we came across this uh, YouTube like documentary series called Living with the Amish. Mm-hmm. And if you, I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. it, uh-huh. just, just uh-huh. you know, check out like one episode. And I think the, the one that, that we saw that really, I think actually shows engaged living very well as it takes this, this group of these teenagers from London, like, urban city kids from London and they go and live for, I don't know, however long, a number of weeks with different Amish families. And I just watched, you know, the first episode, it's like these people and all their, they go and they live like the Amish do. And we're not advocating, you know, like for going and living like the Amish, there's some stuff that's like pretty strange. Yeah. But what is really interesting is like, it's very intentional. You know, regardless mm-hmm. of their rules and their laws and all the stuff, but you know, their all their devices are taken away. They're up very early. The you know the 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 men are out like doing work around the field. You know, like gardening, like chopping firewood. 
women are like preparing meals. It's very like, you know, old school in a lot of regards, mm. but they are, it's incredible to see the shift in the, in the kids. And again, initially they're totally over it. They're like, this is so stupid. This is, you know, like, I can't believe I have to wear this outfit or this hat. Um, but over the course of a week or so, it's, it's really incredible to see the shift of them, like really, you know, appreciating putting in the time to cut firewood, to put in the furnace, to get hot water. And they're like, there's just way more, it's a, it's an incredible shift of, of engagement versus before they were kind of like apathetic, anxious, disengaged to like really wanting to be a part of this community. Yeah. It's amazing when you physically are responsible for getting your own food, making your own warmth, you know, these things that you actually have to put in your time and your energy and get your hands in it, how much more you appreciate it afterwards. And so like, yeah, if I had to go make my own fire every day to have heat in my house, I would appreciate turning that heater on a little bit more than I do now, where it's like, I can just go out and push a button and, you know, now I've got heat. I grew up in Virginia, so we had huge Amish and Mennonite communities in our area. And you'd see them every, you know, Sunday going on their buggies to church. And they did their churches at like, they all rotated. So one person's house would be church that week and the next person's house would be church the week after. And there was this huge sense of community and it was amazing. And the things that they created, we would have like, uh, like farmer's market kind of things. It was a little bit different, but they would, they, there'd be like beeswax candles that were just gorgeous because they took the time to really sit down and create something meaningful um, instead of just or clicking it and ordering off of Amazon. I think it's interesting that, that if you live like the Amish or back in, you know, like a number of years ago, there was no choice, but to live an engaged life, you know, you right. had to, to survive. And I think now this is the, one of the, you know, like the pro and the con of technology, we have food at our doorstep at the click of a button, like entertainment for years, for our whole lifetime, like right in front of us. And, you know, it's, we have, the conveniences are incredible and those aren't necessarily bad, but now we have to really internally motivate to stay engaged. Yeah. You know, I think otherwise you fall into, again, like, right, the values of social media or the feed or whatever's happening in that world. And, you know, I think to take it, a different path really requires intentionality. It requires, it's hard work too, to, to self-motivate to do that. I think mm-hmm. that's what we're yeah. talking about is, yeah, finding a balance. Uh, Uber Eats is great, you know, but also, you know, cooking some food. And yeah. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. It, it does sound like the, like the balance of that for me and something I could be um, more mindful of. I bought a phone stand because I was uh, cooking a whole lot more with the pandemic. And I was like, I'm bored washing the dishes. I'll get a phone mount and then I can put YouTube on. And I'm adding another time to have a screen where I could be, you know, more thoughtful or just really thinking about like what cleaning looks like and the joy I get out of seeing a clean space. Or if I'm cooking to not turn on, you know, a podcast on YouTube and watch it as I cook. And for me, that's something I could be more engaged in because I love cooking. And now I'm thinking like how much of a distraction I put on something that I've always found a lot of joy on. Mm -hmm. And now I can step back and be more mindful of this and like put that phone mount, you know, back in my room or put it away or whatever and not use that and really use that time to also be creative um, because that's something I also love to do in the kitchen. Maybe that's something that could help, you know, someone listening who, who's thinking of, 
how can I do this? What's a smaller step, you know, yeah. do an activity without needing the TV on in the background or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think that's really, really wonderful. And I think, you know, also a similar way to say that is, is just like not multi multitasking as much, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. locking into one activity. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like uncomfortable probably at first, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There's great, I think, opportunity there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something for me that I've really had to learn to be intentional about is not multitasking because I always was like having a million things going at once, mm -hmm. but then all my work suffered because I wasn't fully engaged in the thing that I was doing. And my boyfriend will tell me all the time, he's like, you're a terrible multitasker. And I, and I took it honestly as an insult. I was like, that's a, like a mean thing to say to somebody. And now I've reframed that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm a terrible multitasker because I'm not designed to multitask. Mm. I'm designed to be intentional about the work that I'm doing and focus on one task at a time. And I get a lot more done that way. And my work is a lot better that way. Yeah. yeah. I personally don't believe, well, I think this is actually not how there's research behind it. There's no such thing as multitasking. It's like tasking <laughs> and you're, you're, yeah, the quality certainly, you know, suffers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, terrible attitude. Yeah, we certainly might have the, the details on this. I sometimes forget the stats, but we we spoke with in in research for the book. We spoke with a psychologist who's like one of the world's leading experts in like the psychology of technology, and he does a lot of research on multitasking and did a bunch of studies around actually people studying just on you know like someone observing someone studying and just the basically it's like everyone tries to multitask with like multiple tabs and all this stuff and. Yeah, the actual time that we are in general able to stay focused on one thing is has been shrinking. I think for a number yeah. of years. Mm -hmm. and I think productivity suffers and stress goes up actually as you as you multitask or you task switch. So you get more stressed out, quality suffers, no one wins. But it feels like you're doing a lot of stuff. It feels great. <laughs> right. Yeah. You feel accomplished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah until you look back at it later on yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like talking to one person and typing an email at the same time and then my email was what I was saying instead of what yes. I was trying to say. <laughs> oops guilty <laughs> <laughs> well um I think we've come to our last question of the day is what are you currently reading Mm. Oh, you mean besides our book? Yes. <laughs> so I do a lot of my reading before going to bed, so I have to be careful with what I choose. And I, I've been recently reading The Lord of the Rings, which I had never read before. Mm. Very into fantasy nice. fiction and loved the movies, but never read the books. And have either of you read that book? Yeah, I read them when I was a, a young person, so I don't really remember a lot about it. But it's I did. good. It's slow. <laughs> it's yeah. Been, I mean, it's really good, but I just was sort of surprised <laughs> by it's pretty um, dense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's what I'm currently reading at the moment. Well, I'm a little bit bummed out because I just finished. So I never liked the fantasy stuff, but Sonia's kind of got me into this other mm -hmm. strange world of fantasy. What's it? <laughs> fiction. Fantasy fiction. fiction. What was the name of the? It's called the name of the wind. the name of the wind in the wise man's fears. It's like oh, this. So good. I just finished this. There's two books. What's the it's like the King Killer King Chronicles. Killer Chronicles. I'll send you Patrick a link, Rose, but it's a yeah. yeah. It's it's really incredible. It's yeah. sort of like, it's like Game a, of Thronesy kind of like Harry Potter. Two well, of my favorite fandoms. You won't. It's really really good. But I finished that and I'm, I kind of 
circle back to a book I've read a few times, but it's helpful, I think, to kind of recenter is, is a book called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Mm. Oh, it, yeah. It's uh, one of my favorites. We've seen her a few times mm-hmm. in person. She's great. Uh, yeah, that's... it's basically acceptance, you know, not taking things personally. Oh, I love that. I need yeah. more of that in my life. Mm-hmm. Loving What Is. Um, I'm gonna read both of those books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I just finished reading. Um, well, I reread the Twilight series, which I'm super embarrassed to admit. But <laughs> I don't know why those books suck me right in. And I finished it, and I mm-hmm. went into that like post-reading depression where I'm like, "Give me more." <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. We've really appreciated this conversation. I know I did a whole lot. And I have some things I'm going to walk out of this and try and unplug from nature more. I mean, plug from technology more, not from nature. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, thanks. Your point was the exact opposite. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, start the whole thing. Roll back. No, but I will definitely be looking to unplug more from technology for sure. And probably go for a walk outside today. If you guys could just let our followers know where they could find you, get a little bit more information about the book release and follow what y'all are doing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we have our website is www.natureunplugged.com. And that's probably where most of everything's going to take place. We are also, as we mentioned, on the social medias, (laughs) a variety of them, Facebook is at, it's basically just at Nature Unplugged on Instagram and you can search us on Facebook, but We'll be posting about um, updates on the, the book release. And as soon as you mentioned, that'll be available via Amazon, both paperback and Kindle. And also it'll be available in, in the few remaining bookstores that are on the earth. Uh, <laughs> yes. so yeah, we're excited. We'll, we'll definitely keep you posted as, as the book gets closer to launch. Yeah, we really appreciated the opportunity to be on the podcast mm-hmm. or your podcast. Thank you, Kendra and Libby. Yeah, yeah. it was such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. New episodes drop every Thursday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To join the conversation and be part of the community, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at USDCLA or email us at theadjacentself at sandiego.edu. We can't wait to hear from you.